Good to see you today. If you would, take a Bible. Turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 12. Matthew, chapter 12, and 2 Peter, chapter 2. Matthew 12. It's good to see you. Matthew, chapter 12, 2 Peter, chapter 2. I'm going to bring you a message this morning that I felt very challenged to preach, and it is entitled, An Imperfect Faith. Imperfect Faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're grateful for the day. Thank you for this Lord's day. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for the blessings of God. And Father, as we've met in your house, I pray that you'd meet with us. I pray you'd open our hearts to the word of God. I pray, Father, if there be one here that's lost, that has an imperfect faith, they've never completely and totally surrendered to you, that today would be the glad day of salvation. We praise you for the cross. We praise you for a perfect salvation in Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. We know that we are saved by faith. Somebody say amen right off the bat. We are saved by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says that faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. We have evidence this morning that there is a saving faith, amen? And we have a substance that there is a saving faith. Jesus said in John 3.18, He that believeth on me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. In John 3.36, he says this, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, but he that believeth not on the Son hath shall not see life, but the wrath of God shall abide on him. Mark 16, this is the last verse we'll look at on faith, He that believeth not shall be damned. We are saved by faith. Amen. Thank God for faith. God gives us that faith. We conclude that we're saved by faith. We conclude through the scripture that we please God by faith. Paul said this, For the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I'm living by the faith of what? The Son of God. But I want us to drill down this morning into Paul's faith. And by drilling down into Paul's faith, we're also going to be drilling down into our faith. Paul said he was living by faith. But I want you to notice something with me. Before Paul ever got saved, he was living by faith. He was living by faith. And the Old Testament. He was living by faith in the scripture. He was living by faith in the temple. He was living by faith in his teachings. He was living by faith in tradition. Paul was a Pharisee before he ever got saved. Before he was ever converted, Paul was a religious man. But he wasn't saved. He said himself that he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He believed in God. He studied the Bible. He practiced a moral life, but he didn't know Jesus Christ. i got to stop right there and just say, I'm glad I know Jesus Christ. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm in. I'm glad my faith is perfect because it is in him, in his cross, in his blood. So Paul was, uh, had a faith. 
before salvation that altered his lifestyle. If Paul would have died being a Pharisee in the temple with a Bible in his hands and the faith that he had, if Paul, his name was Saul before conversion, if he would have died then, Paul would have went to hell. Why? Because his faith was imperfect. It was not perfect. Paul basically summed it up in this manner. He said, I possess the faith that altered my lifestyle. He said uh, he was trusting in himself, in his own ability to memorize scripture, in his ability to discipline himself according to biblical principles. Listen, salvation is not trusting in self. Salvation is trusting in Christ. And that's where Paul was. He was trusting in himself. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people, and I'm going to drill down deep into this, there's a lot of people in America today that say they have faith, but their faith is in their faith. Their faith is in their faith. Oh, they talk about their faith, how their faith has changed them, and their faith has done this, and their faith... Let me tell you something. My faith's in Jesus Christ. My faith is not in my faith. Y'all with me? Shake your head. My faith is not in my faith because if it is, it's in myself. My faith is in what Christ has done for me on the cross of Calvary. Paul had faith until he met Jesus Christ and then he could say, uh, the, the life that I now live, I live by not by my faith uh, nor Old Testament faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise God. That's shouting ground right there. Paul had a form of godliness. He had faith in his own faith. He was religious but unconverted. He was moral but unsaved. He had a form of godliness, but he denied the power thereof. <laughs> a lot of people tell me, and as you witness to people and ask them, they'll tell you and they'll profess a faith, but I'm afraid they're, they're like Paul the Apostle. Their faith is in their own faith and not in Jesus Christ. He says in Philippians 3 concerning his former life. We're not going to go there, but he says this. Paul says this concerning his former life. He said, I had confidence in the flesh, number one. Number two, he says, I was circumcised the eighth day. Number three, he said, I was of the stock of Benjamin. Number four, he said, I was an Hebrew of the Hebrews. Number five, he said, as touching the law, I was perfect. Wow. Five reasons Paul gives us that says I had a wonderful faith before I was saved. I can't argue with that. He just wasn't saved. You see, as touching the law, blameless, that's not saving faith. Can I just say this? With the title of the message is an imperfect faith. Paul had a faith, but he had an imperfect faith. A perfect faith is in Jesus Christ. But when Paul met Christ, oh, in that same chapter of Philippians, he says this, but what things were gained to me, that is my religious exercises, my discipline, my Bible knowledge, my scripture memorization, what things were gained to me. Paul profited, he said, in the Jews' religion above all of his companions. And he said, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. 
Once he met Jesus Christ, listen what he says. Yea, and I count all things for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. If you ever get saved, dear friend, all those religious exercises are nothing, as SpongeBob says, but poo-poo. Amen. That's, hey, I'm, using, I'm in the Bible. Paul said, all that religion that I had before I met Jesus Christ was done. It was compost. It was manure. Hey, I can't get any plainer. You say, preacher, you're supposed to be refined. While well, you're an educated preacher, I, let me tell you something. We've got, we've got preachers today think they're smarter than God. Listen, every word in this Bible was put here for a reason. And if God says something was done, then I'm going to say it was done. We're living in a society that thinks we're cultured and refined uh, and we've gotten away from the truth of the Word of God. Hey, I don't care if it seems vile or profane or offensive. If it's in the book, I'm going to preach it. And Paul said, I, uh, listen, this, he said, all of that stuff that I did before was compost in the nostrils of God. And that's exactly what I'm preaching this morning, an imperfect faith. I'm afraid that our nation today has an imperfect faith. Why do you say that, preacher? Because it has not changed our moral state. If you ever meet Jesus Christ, it'll change you. It won't, listen, religion will clean you up on the outside, but redemption will get you on the inside. Praise God. Uh, redemption will change you. Uh, it'll make you a new creature. As a matter of fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Faith in Christ that makes us a new creature in repentance and salvation. Hey, friend, makes all things new and gives us a perfect salvation. Praise God. He said this, For in Christ Jesus is neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Let me tell you something. When God looks at George, he doesn't want to see George's faith. He wants to see Jesus. When God looks at me, he doesn't want to see my works. He wants to see the blood of Christ applied to my heart. Praise God. I have nothing that I can glory in this morning other than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot glory in my faith. I cannot glory in my works. Both of those are so small before God. I'm ashamed to even come before God with my faith or my works or my own righteousness, friend. But I can glory in the cross of Calvary that there was a perfect Savior that died on the cross for me. There was a perfect plan of salvation set in place for me. Praise God, I can glory in the cross. Praise God. Oh, listen, a new creature. God wants to see the blood of Christ. Now, I'm going I'm to step on some toes, especially maybe some of y'all have family members like this, but you witness to some people and they say, yeah, 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 I got saved, I got faith, I got saved back yonder when I was six years old at a revival. Yeah, and you've lived like hell for 30 years. Listen, that's, that's an imperfect faith. Amen. 
Hey, listen, I got saved back yonder. Listen, 30, 40 years you've lived like hell, never cared for the things of God, never cared about the Word of God, never cared about the church, uh, always out in the hog pens and the dog pens. I got, old Adrian Rogers said it like this. I like the way he said it. I, if, that's your, if that's your testimony and that's your life, uh, I wouldn't give half a hallelujah for your hope of heaven. Hey, man, preacher. You say, you're judging. No, I'm just telling you, if you ever get saved, there'll be a new creature. A perfect faith brings a perfect salvation. It doesn't make a perfect George, but it gives me a perfect Savior. Gives me a new nature. Amen. Praise God. Well, you say, preacher, I believe. Well, the Bible says the devils believe and tremble. The devils have faith, and they have enough faith to fear. We don't even have people with that much faith today, do we? They have faith, they have enough faith to fear, but they're living in opposition to Jesus Christ. Their faith is an imperfect faith. Oh my goodness. Demons, let me give you some scripture. Demons bore witness to the sonship of Christ. That's Mark chapter 3. Demons believe in a place of eternal punishment. That's Luke chapter 8. Demons have to submit themselves to the power of Christ. That's Mark chapter 5. Listen, demons have got faith in their heads, but they don't have it in their heart. I'm afraid that's where we are in America today in our modern church. We've got a bunch of religion in our head, but we don't have Jesus in our heart. We've got, a, we've got an information salvation. <laughs> Let me tell you something about an information salvation. It's an imperfect faith. True salvation, friend, gets down in the heart of man, changes his nature. Listen, when you get saved, you lose your desire for sin. You cannot be happy living in sin. Now, yeah, we might get entangled every once in a while. We'll look at that in a minute. Sin may entangle us. I mean, listen, the lust and the greed and the jealousy and the envy and hatred, that can entangle a Christian. I'll agree with you. But listen, it won't overcome us. Because there's something on the inside that gives us power over that. We cannot be happy living in a mud hole. Amen. We can't be happy living in a dog lot. We, we're a new creature. So the devils have an informed theology. Informed theology. <laughs> Let me give an example of an informed theology. Look at Matthew chapter number 12. <clears throat> Excuse me. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 43. Verse 43. The Bible says here, Matthew 12, 43, watch this. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. Let me tell you something about religion before we go any further. Religion can help you get rid of an unclean spirit. It can. I mean, I know a lot of people who've took up a religion and, and, and tried to live a more moral life and, and they cleaned up a little bit. Are y'all with me? There's a difference in an unclean spirit and, and salvation. And, and I know a lot of people who've got rid of an unclean spirit. But watch this. Let's see what happens to this guy. This guy somehow has a religious experience. He has a moral exchange. But the Bible says, let's begin reading it again. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. He doesn't like it now. 
he's got a more, he's got a new moral attitude, but he doesn't like it. Then saith he, I will return to my house from which I came out, and when he's come out, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and take with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. We just read a story about a man who had some type of an imperfect faith, a religious experience, a moral exchange, and he just didn't like it. He just didn't, it just didn't suit his lifestyle. He wanted to go back to his old lifestyle, and he does. And when he goes back, the Bible says that he gets seven demons more wicked than himself. Can I tell you, friend, I know people like that I know people who've tried to clean up tried to get religion tried to uh, live a moral life tried to turn over a new leaf and friend they just couldn't do it it just didn't stick with them they couldn't stay in church they, they, the preaching didn't make any sense the singing didn't make any sense you know why because they weren't a new creature and listen they just went right back to their old self and friend I'll have to agree with Jesus the last state of that person is worse than the first you know why? Because they become self-deceived. They say, well, and then everybody pats them on the back and says, well, I remember when you got saved back yonder at that revival about 30 years ago. Oh, there's something wrong if you've been in a hog pen that long, friend. Amen. That's an imperfect faith. This man had an imperfect faith. It couldn't sustain him. It couldn't make him happy in righteousness. It couldn't make him happy in church. It couldn't make him happy in his Bible. It couldn't make him happy living a godly lifestyle so he he goes back. Let me tell you what a change will do. Let me tell you what Jesus will do. Jesus will put a spring in your step when it's church time. Amen. Jesus will get you in your Bible. Amen. A right relationship with God will make you happy living a godly life. Amen. I tell you, happiness is found in living for Jesus. This man had just enough faith to help him get rid of a little sin for a little while, but then he went right back into living a wicked lifestyle. That is an imperfect faith. Is everybody with me? Let's look at it. I've never looked at these scriptures from the pulpit, but I want you to turn with me. Had you turned to 2 Peter chapter 2? Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 2 now. If you'll turn there, if you had your thumb in that place or finger. And uh, verse number 20. I'm going to keep drilling down here in this thing. Boy, we need this message. Our, our people today need this message. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled therein and overcome the latter is worse with them than the beginning isn't that what Jesus said for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they'd known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto him to them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned again unto his own vomit and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Here we go again with those graphic details. <laughs> Paul said, hey, everything that I had before Christ was dung. Graphic, right? 
The Bible says here that if a man goes back to his old sin, back to his old self, back to his old lust, it's like a dog returning to its vomit or a pig wallowing in pig manure. And that's exactly what the word mire means. You say, preacher, there you go. You've lost your formality and your culture. I'm in the word of God. And we need more preachers to stay in the Word of God and stop shrinking. Why does a dog return to its own vomit? Because it's a dog. You can take Fifi, and I'm going to hurt your feelings, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. You can take little Fifi, and you can bring her in, and you can paint her toenails, and you can have her groomed, and you can put ribbons in her hair and set her down at the supper table and feed her the best steak that Food City's got to offer, and she's still a dog. And if she barfs that steak, she'll go eat it back up. She likes second helpings. You say, preacher, that's, that's offensive, that's vile. I'm in the Word. Lisa made some chili last week, and it was so spicy. I liked it. But she fed it to old Jake. Let me tell you something. It made him sick. And that was one time old Jake didn't want a second helping. Now, I'm telling you, he wouldn't go back to that. But I liked it. I had two or three helpings, praise God. Anyway, a dog is a dog. It's its nature. I don't care how you treat that dog, how you love that dog. I tell you, I've been running a fever the last two or three days, and I believe old Jake's known I've run a fever. He's hugged me. He's loved me. He's licked on me. I've appreciated that dog for that. But let me tell you something. He's still a, got a dog's nature. he got a dog's nature. And you can say you're a Christian. You can say you've, you've done this and done that. and been Hey, but listen, unless you've been to Jesus Christ, you have an old nature. Unless you've been born again, you have an old nature. Listen, I, I, then he uses the example of a pig, a hog, returning to her wallowing in the mire. You can take a pig and do the same thing. I went in a house in North Carolina a few years ago, and I'm telling you the truth. Uh, it was a nice brick home. It was a clean home. I, and I went in the living room and so helped me. I'm telling you truth from the pulpit. There was a 300-pound hog laying in the living room. They had bought that thing as a pot-bellied pig. And it just kept growing and growing. And they kept feeding it and feeding it. I swear that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life laying in the middle of a nice brick home in a living room. And you, if you'd have looked at the rest of the house, you couldn't tell that a pig lived there. That thing was house trained. Yes, sir. They had a, this is graphic, but this is true. They had a one-gallon sheetrock bucket, and that hog used the bathroom in that sheetrock bucket. Now, that hog had more talent than me. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. But you know what? It was still a hog. Now they loved it. They treated it like family. But it was still a hog. And it still liked the mud holes. Amen. It had a pig's appetite. It had a pig's desire. God used it. You say, well, preacher, yeah, I know you're in the Bible, but Peter was one of them old rough fisherman disciples, and he used these examples of hogs and dogs and manure and vomit. Yeah, but he was inspired of the Holy Spirit to put it down. 
And God is telling us this. Now, don't miss this, folk, because I need this too. God is saying, if you think a, a dog returning to its vomit is offensive and, and gross, and you think pig manure is gross, then what do you think sin is to me? That's what God is saying. God is saying, if those things are offensive to you, what do you think, how do you think sin smells to me? How do you think, listen, I'm talking about just a little bit of sin is offensive to God. And God said, don't, if you're a Christian, don't even turn back to a little bit of sin. Amen. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. The Bible says dead flies make the, the ointment of the apothecary stink. Hey, a fly is a little thing, but it'll stink your perfume up. Amen. It's, it's small things. Listen, there'll be, you ever get with Christ, uh, there'll be something that will, that'll stick with you. Let me tell you something about a sheep. A sheep don't return to its own vomit. A sheep don't waller in the hog pen. Matter of fact, I feed cattle and sheep together and goats, and I can tell you when the, cat, the cows will just wade right in the sloppiest old mire that ever was, and a goat will tiptoe around it. It's the funniest thing you've ever seen. A sheep and a goat don't like that. Amen. You know what you all are and what I am? We're sheep. We don't like mud holes. We don't like dirty things. We like nice, clean things. Amen. We've gone a new nature. An imperfect faith will give you a profession of faith, but not a possession of Jesus Christ. Amen. A professing faith will last a short while and dissipate like the dew, but a possessing faith will a professing faith will last like the dew, but a possessing faith will last like the sun. Praise God. Uh, if you ever get faith, you'll have faith. Amen. If you ever come to Christ, you'll have Christ. Uh, listen. The word that Jesus said this, and i got to close the message. Jesus said, uh, you must be born again. You must. That word is imperative. You must be born again. An imperative word means you can't divert it. You can't avoid it. You can't overlook it. You can't skip it. Uh, listen, dear friend, uh, if you bypass the cross of Calvary, you'll wind up with an imperfect faith uh, and wind up in the charred wall of a burning hell. Amen. Do not bypass Calvary. I've seen some men just like Paul the Apostle. They join some fraternity, some fraternal organization. They're given some things to memorize. They're given character development. Nothing wrong with that. They're told that this fraternal organization will make them a better man. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong being a better man. Somebody say amen. Nothing wrong with that. But they're given some things. They're, they're given some moral refinement, some social improvement, some character development. But let me tell you something. All that is done when we stand before God. And there are people today, I have buried, preached funerals of men who trusted in their fraternal organization and their teaching down at the lodge to get them into heaven and they're burning in hell tonight because of it. You say, preacher, that's awful mean. No, it's not mean. I'm trying to get people to heaven by the cross. Amen.
everything, every moral improvement, every social development, every character development you can have is done before God. Amen. It will count as nothing unless you're under the blood of Jesus Christ. Boy, we need more preaching like that today. Amen. You can ask some people if they're saved and they'll show you their symbol. <laughs> Let me tell you where my symbol's at. It's right yonder, the cross of Calvary. And I'm going to bow beneath the cross. I'm going to surrender to Christ beneath the cross. Uh, if there's a symbol that I'm going to cling to, I'll cling to the old rugged cross. Praise God. You can't bypass the cross of Calvary. Some people say, well, I'm a good man. Well, I don't doubt that, but the Bible says there's nothing good. No, not one. They've all gone out of the way. Some people might say, well, I've helped others. Well, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some people might say, well, I've tried to do right. Well, the Bible says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Without Christ, there is no salvation. The best thing to do is to do what the Apostle Paul said. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. That's perfect faith. That's perfect faith. Throw character improvement in the trash can. Get to Christ. Throw character development in the trash can. Get to Jesus. There is salvation in none other. You see, there's a difference in a good man and a godly man. A good man will help you fix a flat. But he might not be a godly man. A few, I think I gave you this example, but it's a good. <clears throat> a few years ago, Rachel was coming home from Minot. They had a flat. They didn't have, they, her and her husband didn't even know how to change a flat. And a guy just had got out of prison. Rough, tough, mean, cussing, drunk, everything, you name it. He just had got out of prison. And he felt sorry for him and helped him fix the flat. Well, I appreciate that. Amen. Pretty good fella. But he wasn't a guy. He's a good fella, but he wasn't a godly fella. You see the difference? God wants to make us godly in the cross of Calvary. I'll go one step further. You can join a body of believers. You can... You can, you can you can join a community of Christians, even. Amen. You can adopt some principles and morals, but if you don't genuinely get to the cross of Calvary and repent of your sins, you have an imperfect faith that'll wind you up in hell. Amen, preacher. Boy, I've driven this point home. I don't know why, but God just had me hammer it, hammer it, hammer it. <laughs> Here we are, folks. If you don't have... If you have faith in your faith, it's an imperfect faith. But if you have faith in Jesus Christ, it is a perfect faith. <laughs> if you have faith in your morals, it's an imperfect faith. But if you have faith in the blood that was shed for you on the cross and say, in my hand no price I bring, but simply to thy cross I cling, praise God, that's a perfect faith. <laughs> yes, sir. An imperfect faith. I don't know about you, but I want a perfect one. I want one that's, that says, oh, 
There's nothing good about me. There's nothing moral about me. The only thing good about me is Jesus. The only thing, best thing that ever happened to me in my life is when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, uh, repented of my sin, trusted Him as my Savior. I've been saved ever since. Glory to God. If I'm going to glory in anything, let it be in the cross and the plan of salvation. You say, preacher, how much faith do I need to get saved? <laughs> We're not talking about quantity. We're talking about quality. Let me say that again. We're not talking about quantity. We're talking about quality. Jesus said if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you could remove a mountain. <laughs> well, I don't think I've got that much faith. Not even a mustard seed. But I've got enough to be saved. It's not how much faith I have. It's where my faith is. It's not the quantity of it. It's the quality of it. A perfect faith is in Christ Jesus. It's in the cross. It's in the blood. And the Bible says we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them who believe unto the saving of the soul. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you saved? I've preached the last two or three weeks to the church trying to build us up. Preached on patience, the throne of God, love of God. Revival from the book of Habakkuk. This morning I preached a message on the plan of salvation. I want to ask you, friend, it's still early. Is there one here that, wants to, that needs to come to Christ? The Holy Spirit has, boy, it drilled down in your heart this morning and showed you you needed to be saved. Quit messing around, quit playing around on God. You better get to Jesus Christ this morning. Somebody say amen. Better get to Christ. That's where salvation's at. It's not in this church. It's not in you coming here. It's in Jesus Christ. You better get to... He's here, praise God. And He'll save you. We're going to wait just a minute. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you to slip out of your seat. If you need to be saved this morning, you better get to this altar. I mean, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time, friend. Hey, Jesus is coming soon. Life is short. Death is sure. Sin's the reason. Christ is the cure. You better get to Jesus Christ this morning. Today, we wait just a moment as she's playing softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you. Oh, sinner, come home. Why don't you come home? I tell you, be the best decision you ever made in your life to come to Christ this morning. He longs to save you. He wants to save you. He'll give you a genuine faith that'll last you a lifetime, praise God. He'll change you from the inside out. We're waiting just a moment. And just before we bow our heads this morning, I want to ask you a question. You know, when our pastor stands up here and he gives the invitation, I wonder what's going on in your heart. Because if we're truly saved and we know the Lord is our personal Lord and Savior, our heart will identify with that. And during that time of invitation, we'll rejoice in the fact that, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for making that real to me. So this morning, I want to ask you this. 
If during the invitation time we stand there in our pew and we come in every week and yet I don't have that settled assurance, I don't have that identifying of my spirit with the Holy Spirit, of thank you, Lord, for saving me. Can I ask you to get that settled? You know, we don't need a hope so, a maybe so salvation. We need a no so salvation. Brother Dylan Novak, who's been here several or a few times, and you know, we see him on the internet and such, but he makes this statement. And eternity is a very long time to be wrong. So don't leave this place with an unsettled, unknowing to whether you're saved or not. And you know, you know by your actions, you know by just the Spirit of God dwelling in you. If you don't have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, and if you don't get excited and encouraged about the things of the Lord, just ask yourself, do I truly know the Lord? Do I have a head knowledge or do I have heart knowledge? There's something about a profession that won't save us, but a possession will give us an eternity in heaven. Let's bow our heads and pray before we're dismissed. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before you this morning, Lord, I just pray that each of us would just examine our own hearts and lives, Lord. Lord, the reality is this. We're none guaranteed the opportunity to come back at the next appointed time, Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, I just pray that if we could stand here in this church this morning and know that we've been saved, Lord, may we rejoice in that. May we just have that light heart of spirit, Lord, to know that we're saved. And may we have a burden to see others be saved, Lord. But Lord, if we're standing here this morning and we can't say that, you know what, my spirit doesn't identify. and I, I'm uncertain. I, I mean, I think I am, but I hope I am. But I don't know that I am. Lord, for that individual, may they not get off this place this morning before they get that settled, Lord. You give us a no-so salvation, Lord, and I just pray that we would all leave here being settled in that no-so salvation. And then, Lord, if we can truly say we're saved, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt you've saved us. Then my challenge will be, what will we do with that this week, Lord? Will we share the gospel with somebody else so that they too may be saved? How complacent we've grown, Lord, and just not being willing to share the gospel with others. Lord, we just thank you for the truth of your word that was preached this morning, Lord. We just thank you for the privilege to be in your house once again. Now bless us as we go our separate ways, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.